Thanks, Devin. Uh, yeah, Devin, he, he decided weeks and weeks ago when he wasn't going to be preaching today, he said, well, basically what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get the best communicator that I can, and I'll, I'll bring him in. But uh, he said no. Um, so then he, he said, well, if I can't get the best communicator, I'll just get the smartest guy I know. And he said no also. Um, then he said, finally, just scraping the bottom of the barrel, he said, I'm fine, I'm just going to get the best looking guy I can. And um, I could not say no to him three times, so I'm, I'm here today. I am, uh, I am in uh, Goodyear, Arizona, which is far s- uh, west suburb of Phoenix area. Uh, pastor a church there called the Refinery Christian Church. Uh, been there at, at that place for almost eight years. Been in uh, Phoenix almost 15 years now. And I just love it. Grew up in Oklahoma, went to school here in Kansas. So I have this just tremendous heart uh, for the Midwest and the people of the Midwest and, and things like that. And so we have kind of migrated west and we, la- we now live in the dry heat. Um, of, of Arizona, and so every time we come back here and the wind's blowing and there's humidity, I realize why I moved to Arizona. I just want you to know it's bad here, okay? Wind and bugs that fly and bite you, okay? I don't, I don't miss those things at all. Um, t- this morning, we're going to spend some time, we're going to talk about what it would look like if we got our lives together. Anybody ever wonder about that? What would happen if I got my life together? I mean, I mean, Really got everything going in the same direction at the same time. How, how cool would that be if I got my life together? Well, let me just kind of give you a little insight into my life and, and, and just a typical day that I have. Most mornings, you know, the first thing I do, my feet hit the, hit the floor. I go in, I turn on the shower water. Um, I kind of pick out what I'm going to wear, all that kind of stuff of the day. I take a shower, go to the Keurig, get the coffee going, put the coffee in the travel mug. Because, you know, you, you need to be able to travel with that and move. And so I put the coffee in there. And then I'll usually kind of sit either on the couch or the kitchen table and kind of slowly start to ease into my day. Kind of go through my calendar, what I've got to do, what I've got to get ready for, when I have to be somewhere, when I'm going to be back, and kind of the plans of the day. And then I kind of put my stuff together in my bag and I, and I head out to the car and I open the garage and I back out. And that's usually when I realize that I left my computer inside. And so... I go back inside, get my computer, then take it back out to the car. Then I realize I left my phone in, in the car, and I go back and I get my phone then. And usually after two or three trips back and forth, I finally have all the stuff together, and I, I drive and I make my way to work. And usually on those days, that's when I get to my office, and I'll see something on social media about that family. That family. That that morning seems to have it all together. And, you know, they've got all their kids dressed in their own clothes, you know, and they're they're clean, they're in the car together, they're smiling before school, they've gone through, you know, our version of Redina's, which would be like Dutch Brothers or Starbucks, everybody's smiling with their big beverage, yay, the day is here, I hate those people. <laughs> and, and I come to find out pretty much that, that they're, they're frauds, okay, it, it took them 30 pictures to get that right picture, and, and, and everything just has been chaos all morning, but they get this 30 second glimpse of everything being great, and that's what they post on social media, but I know everything that I've gone through that morning, and I compare it to what I see them post on social media, and I'm, I just, I can't stand it. Now, I think the idea of us getting our lives together is pretty foreign to most of us. And the reality is, those people that post that stuff on social media, they don't have it together any more than we do. And most of us, though, I believe we really do have a strong desire to get our lives together. And I think if we just took a survey here, there'd probably be three areas that most of us would want to get our lives together in. First of all, we'd want to get our lives together in our family. 
right? I mean, we've got issues going on inside our family. We've got struggles with kids or siblings or parents or something like that. You've got some sort of tension and stress and pressure that's going on inside your family right now. And you, man, I, I wish we could get it together in the area of our family. I think most of us wish we could get it to air, together in the area of our physical fitness and what that looks like. Man, I, maybe some of us are suffering from an illness and we're trying to figure out what that is. And we just, we pray, God, just, can we get this taken care of? Can we get it going in the right direction? Some of us, it's more like, you know, I know I need to eat better. I need to exercise. I need to lose weight and all this kind of stuff. Believe me, I know. I mean, this takes work, people. <laughs> this does not just happen. Okay. But I think most of us would agree, yeah, I, I need to do some of those things a little better, and I, I'd like to get that area of my life under control, and I'd like to get it moving in the right direction. I also think that we'd like to get our finances under control. There are a lot of us that we, we seem like live with more month than we do money, and at the, we kind of figure out how we're balancing things and where it looks like, and we would like to get our lives together. Now, for some of us who are sitting here, we'd think, man, if I could just get one of those areas together, that'd be great, but... In all honesty, I think most of us may be out of balance in all of those areas. And we just kind of throw our hands at me and say, what is it that I can do? How in the world do I live this life that I'm supposed to live if I can't even get it together? If I can't even hold it together, I can't even make progress. It seems like I work really hard every day and I, I just spin my tires in the sand. And when my head hits the pillow at the end of the night, I don't feel like I've done anything or make any progress at all. Can you relate to that? I, I think it's a huge deal. I think it's a huge issue. And I know this because as I was working on this talk and I was taking my notes and all this kind of stuff, one of my really good friends sent me a picture of, a, of, of something he thought I needed. So I, I share this picture with you here. Um, this is an actual screenshot uh, from my phone. And he sent me this deal. Five apps that are essential for a successful 2017. Now, I didn't know how to take that when he sent that to me. I'm like, here's a guy who thinks I'm spiraling out of control and he's trying to help me or I, I don't know what this is, but I know the guy, I love him, he's a good friend. And I'm like, oh, he, he wants what's best for me. And I said, you're, you're not gonna believe this. Right at the moment that you're sending me this thing about getting my life in order, I'm, I'm sitting here working on a sermon here about what it's gonna look like to get our lives together. So I, I know it's a big deal and I know it's something that's on our minds. So I think we gotta ask ourselves, okay, what do I do? How do I get it together? Because there's so much stuff coming at me at one time how do I prioritize? How do I manage? How do I get my life together? Because I don't want to live the rest of my days like this. I don't want to live the rest of my days like this. Well, in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8, it says this. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. In order for us to get our lives together, we have to prioritize things and we have to make a plan. Now, some of us might sit here and say, you know, Chad, I don't even know how to make a plan. I mean... I got this family issue, I got this financial issue, I got a physical issue, I got a work issue, I've got all these things. I don't even know how to make a plan. I don't even know what questions to ask that I need to answer in order to make sure that I'm making progress today. I, I don't even know what to do. So what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes here talking about four really quick things that I think we can do to help us get our lives in order and to help us get our lives together. The first thing we got to do is we always assess value. Of everything that's going on in our life, we always need to assess the value of it. Now, I'm not talking about specifically a financial value. I'm talking about the physical cost of it, the emotional cost, the spiritual cost. What is the emotional energy that you have to put into something? Now, I think a lot of us, we don't even consider emotional energy as a cost. When we come to trying things in our life and the stresses and things, but if you're staying up late at night thinking about something or worried about something or you're getting up early and you're putting extra emotional energy into something, it is costing you dearly. 
It's costing you dearly. So we always have to say, what is it that I want to do to assess value in my life? Well, we turn to scripture, just like we would in every other area of our life, to find out what has the ultimate value. Well, back in the Old Testament, God said, hey, there's 10 things I want you to do. I want to make sure you do these 10. Now, there are going to be all kinds of laws, but if you'll take care of these 10, I promise you'll be all right. And the very first one, he says, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, he says this, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, notice on this, on this, this passage, that word gods is a small g god. Now, a capital G god is God, creator, almighty, Jehovah. That, that's God, big G, capital God. Now, I doubt that any of us in this room. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm playing the odds here. I doubt that any of us in this room have some sort of idol that we rubbed its belly on the way out this morning. We patted it on the head or we lit it on fire and we prayed to it this morning. Okay, if, if, you, if you did that, Devin would love to meet with you personally, okay, after the service. He's got a few questions that need to be cleared up, but I doubt most of us do that. So the idea of us having a big G God, that seems kind of foreign to us. But God says, the thing that's going to creep up to you and the thing that's going to get you are those small G gods. And a small G God is anything that we would put between God and ourself. Our family, our career, our plans, our relationships, all of those things. So when we start identifying with small G gods, we're like, yeah, I've got a few small G gods that I would say I've placed a higher priority than I have on God himself. And what God is ultimately telling us, and number one, of God's top 10 is the most valuable thing is himself. The most valuable thing. If you want to begin with getting your life in order, you have to start with God. This is the place that you begin. And when you take care of that, everything else will work itself out. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this, but, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God says, when you put him first, everything else is going to fall into place. Now, we can read that and we say, okay, Chad, what you're saying is, I turn my life over to God, all this stuff is going to work itself out by Thursday? No, that's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm saying is, when we do prioritize God first, everything seems to fall into place, and the idea about making a plan and being strategic, strategic in our life becomes a lot easier. So that's why we always have to assess the value of things. We have to say, what is this going to cost me? What is it going to cost me financially? What is it going to cost me physically? What is it going to cost me emotionally? What is it going to cost me spiritually to be involved in this activity? And one of the things that you have to do in order to assess value is you have to understand things that are going on in specific moments of your life. So like Devin shared a while ago, uh, my, my son just got married back in early January, and man, we got a fantastic daughter and, and now, and it, it's just fantastic. It was a magical, magical time that we as a family got to share. Uh, it, it, it was awesome. But the week before that happened, there was something really neat and significant that happened in the life of the Goucher household. And we came to understand something that this is the last night that my wife and I and our three children were going to be in the house alone together as a family in that setting ever again. And my wife was the one that pointed that out. And I was like, yeah, thanks for being a downer, you know. <laughs> but you, you think about it in those moments and you're like, well, wow, this is significant and this is big. And it had nothing to do with us not wanting a new daughter or anything like that. But what it was is this is the end of something that we've known up until this time. This is the last time this is going to happen. So you know what happened? Man, phones went off. And it did not matter what was going to happen anywhere else on the planet. That was priority. 
That was priority. And so in those moments, we said, this is more valuable than anything else. And you're going to come across some times in your life when you say, this is what I need to prioritize. This is the hill I will die on. This is the sword I will fall on. Because we are not going to allow anything to come between us and this time. So you have to assess value all the time of what it is that you're doing. The next thing I think that we need to understand, and this leads right into this, is we have to learn to understand the difference between the urgent and the important in our lives. There are a lot of things in our lives that are very urgent. And what that means is they happen right now. And they happen quickly and they happen rapidly and they happen constantly. Those things are urgent. Just because they're urgent doesn't mean they're necessarily important. Okay? When you're having dinner with your family, maybe you get to do that often. Maybe you don't. But your family's gathered around a table. Maybe it's at your house. Maybe it's at a restaurant. And your phone rings. Or you get that text message. One of those is important. And one of those is urgent. What do you do in that moment? What decision do you make? Do you say, we're not going to answer that? We're not going to deal with that right now? Or do you get up and take a call? Do you answer the text message? Do you disconnect from the people around you? One is urgent, one is important. When you come across a 75% off sale, I know, oh, I know, some of you are just like, do not go there. But just think about this. You, you come across the 75% off sale, and it's something you've had your eye on for quite a while. You're like, man, this, this is a great deal, and, and this is really cool, and now's the time. But your account's really low, and the mortgage is due. One's urgent, and one's important. We have to constantly assess what's urgent and important in our lives. And God says, this is a big deal. This this is a huge deal. In Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, he continues on by saying this. Remember. Now, hold on to that word for a second. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, the dog gets the day off. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Catch what God says at the very first of this passage. Remember. He's speaking to us like we're going to forget Like, we're going to forget to prioritize him first. Now, two of the top four commandments have to do with, one, prioritizing God, and number four has to do with us prioritizing our time with God and letting God refresh us. Two of the top four. How cool is that? And what God is doing right here is he's showing us that it is important. He is showing us what is important and how we overcome those things that sometimes seem urgent to us. God says, if you honor me first above everything else, and then you take some time to honor me and let me replenish you, these are the beginning steps of you getting your life in order. Putting God first and replenishing ourselves are two of the first four commandments. How cool is that? So there's got to be something to it, right? There's got to be something to that. Most of us would say, though, Chad, what you're, what you're saying here is that I need to, I need to cut a day out of my week, one-seventh one of my week, and, I, and I, need, I need to shut it down, and I need to give it to God. That, that looks really good on paper, and that's such a Sunday thing to say. That's such a pastor thing to say, that you need to do that. No, this is God saying, 
I want you to get your lives in order. And the first thing you need to do is prioritize me. The second thing you need to do is let me replenish you. Remember the Sabbath. He's talking to us like we're going to forget. How many of us have totally forgotten that? It's not a big deal to us. And most of us would say, you know, Chad, my life's 24-7. It's 365, 24-7. I've got children. I've got a spouse. I've got a career. I've got school. I've got responsibilities. I've got deadlines. I've got people that are depending on me. I can't, I, I can't operate any other way but 24-7, 365. Well, the harsh reality of that is, if that's the way we're living, we are not living God's way. That's brutal to hear, isn't it? Because we like to be people who are busy and we want to sound important. But ultimately, when we're living a 24 7, 365 day a year life, we're not living God's way. Because you know what God's plan is? God's plan is 24 6. I know, right? God's plan is 24 6. How do we know this? Well, in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, it says this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. Now, look, let's just take this, because I'm sure most of us who have been around Christianity for a while have heard this before. But let's take this and let's, let's peel it back a little bit. And, and let, let's peel back this passage and kind of get down to the root of what, what it looks like. What if, what if we take the last word off of there and we just say, Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. When was the last time you took that big cleansing breath, that deep in through your nose, out of your mouth, and just said, okay, God, I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that you are merciful, forgiving, patient, creator, everlasting, and just go on and on. When was the last time you did that? Well, let's take away another word. Be still and know that I. Be still and just know that I've got your back. Be still and know that I already know what you're going through. Be still and know that I already have a plan for your ways out. Be still and know that I love you more than anything I've ever created. When was the last time you just be still and know that I? Peel away another word. Be still and know that. What is it that you're confused about? What is it you're uncertain about? What is it you're struggling with? What is it you're frustrated about? You know how you find the answer? Be still and know that. When we're still in God's presence, we get this confidence from Him. Be still and know that. All that stuff that you don't know and that you're trying to figure out, you want to figure it out? Be still, and you can know that. Peel away another word. Just be still and know. Do you want to be wiser? Do you want to be smarter? Do you want to be more in tune with God? Just be still and know. There are so many of us in this room right now who are dealing with uncertainty. We think, man, what, what is it going to take for me to, to, to be certain about my faith? What is it going to be, take for me to be certain about the path that God's put me on? Be still and know. This is what God designed from the very beginning. Peel back another word. Just be still and. Just be still and dream. Be still and hope. 
Be still and receive from God. Just let God speak to you. Just let him pour in you. Be still and get filled. Peel back another word. Just be still. Most of the time when we use that word, we're telling that to our kids. Just be still. But you know what? Sometimes I think God looks at us like, just be still. You're, you're running ragged. You don't know what's going on. You just need to be still for a few minutes. When was the last time you were still? I really believe that most of us avoid this at all costs because we do not want to be alone with our thoughts. We don't want to be alone with our thoughts. Because in those moments, we start to get convicted about things. And we start to challenge our way of life and we start to think maybe our, our ways are not as good as God's ways. And so we don't want to deal with those issues and so we're afraid of being still and what might come from it. So we fill every second with something so we don't have to be still. And finally, we just peel it back one more word and just be. When was the last time you just be? Just be. Now, for me, as a, as a leader of a church, and I have a family and all this kind of stuff, and it, it's, it's difficult to do this. And you're like, oh, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do it. I know. But it's very difficult because we have responsibilities and deadlines. We have people who depend on us. When was the last time I would just be? And it, for me, the struggle has always been, if I just be, I don't get paid very long. Because they're like, well, what's Chad doing? I don't know. He's sitting over there doing nothing. That looks kind of weird, doesn't it? So next time you go in Devin's office and he's sitting there in his chair and he's got his feet up on his desk and he's snoring, okay? He's just be, okay? Just let him be, okay? That's a good thing. But I, but I struggle with this so much that I had, I had to have some professional help with this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm internally struggling with this. And met with a counselor and said, what, what is it that I do? And he says, the best thing that you can do as a leader of your family, as a leader of a church, is be still in God's presence, you want to lead, you need to just be still. You need to shut up and you need to listen and you just need to be. The best thing that you can do for your church is to just be sometimes. And for a lot of us, the idea of just being is so foreign and so um, unrealistic to us. And then we wonder why it is we don't connect with God on a different level. Because this is what God told us to do from the start. There are times when you just need to be. But you know, I really believe that many times we want to tell people that we're too busy. I, I got too much stuff going on. I'm 24-7, 365. We take pride in that. We take pride in, man, every moment of my day is filled. Every moment of my week is filled. And we like to say that because we sound busy, we sound important, and we sound like we're influential, and we sound like we're accomplishing things. When actually nothing could be further from the truth. Many times we just say we're busy out of pride. And I think that's a result of us not being still. So another thing I think we need to understand about getting our lives in order is we need to understand that multitasking is a myth. It really is. It's crazy. In one of the many letters that he wrote to his son in the 1740s, okay? In the 1740s, Lord Chesterfield wrote this to his son offering the following advice. There is time enough for everything in the course of the day if you do but one thing at once. But there is not time enough in the year if you will do two things at a time. In the 1740s, what did they have to be stressed out or worried about in the 1740s? Okay? 
bubonic plague, some, I don't know. What, what was it they were worried about? And you know what? He continued on by saying this. The steady and undissipated attention to one object is a sure mark of superior genius. Just as much as hurry, bustle, and agitation are the never-failing symptoms of a weak and frivolous mind. How many of us would describe our lives as hurry, bustle, and agitation? I think a lot of us say, that's, that's my life, I fit into that category. But many studies are now proving multitasking to be a complete myth. And you know what's happening? Science is catching up with God. That's what it is. Science is catching up with God. This is not a real thing. You can't really do this. And God said, I've been telling you. 2,000 years, I've been telling you. This is the way you do it. Think about the multitasking of texting and driving. It's getting ready to go before the legislature in Arizona. And it's going to, I, I really believe it's going to pass and it's going to be illegal to be texting while you drive. I really believe that's going to happen. It can be deadly and pretty soon it's going to be illegal. When we try to focus on more than one thing, nothing gets our best attention. And you may think, I'm, I'm doing several things at once. No, you're juggling. It is physically impossible for you to do two things at the exact same time. You may do something for a few seconds, then you do something else for a few seconds, then you do something else for a few seconds. You're not doing two things at one time. Think about it. You talk on the phone and you shop online at the same time. You eat dinner and drive in the car. I know you do. We could go out in your parking lot right now, and inside your minivan there are french fries. Okay, they're under the seat and they've been there for months. You don't even remember the last time you had french fries. But you go to the car wash and oh, a chicken nugget. We, I've never even had a chicken. I've never even been to that restaurant, but still it's in here. You know why? Because we eat and we drive at the same time. We watch news and make dinner at the same time. We try to do multiple things all the time. In the past 20 years, work is up 15% and leisure is down 30%. This is why we need a plan. This is why we need a plan. This is why we need to realize and be specific that something is missing in our lives by us trying to do everything and accomplish everything. Robots, computers, and even self-driving cars have not made our life better. They have not helped us to get it all together. The only way that we're going to be able to do that is to realign our allegiance and our attention. The, that's the only way that we're ever going to get our lives under control is that we realign our allegiance and our attention. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26 says this, Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Every time God talks about getting our lives in order and putting things and prioritizing things, it has to do with a plan. Andy Stanley, pastor of North Point Community Church in suburban Atlanta, says this, We don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. If we're left to our own, we're going to drift towards worse things all the time. When my wife leaves town, I do not eat better. Okay? And I remember when my wife would leave town, we had children that were young. Sometimes they got bathed. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes it was with a hose in the backyard. When I'm left to my own, I don't drift towards getting better. And I, I would venture to say that most of us aren't that way. If I don't make a plan and I'm not strategic, I'm not going to get better. So you know what this ultimately shows us? The fourth thing is that we need some help. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 says this, Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. If you want 2017 to be your best year yet, you've got to make a plan. You're not just going to drift towards getting better. You can't just say, man, I hope tomorrow everything falls into place and everything's better. It's not going to happen that way. So this past December, 
I modified something for our family that I'd learned in a business course while, a while back. We had brought in some consultants to the church, and they were doing uh, an exercise with us called the Patterson Strat Op. And you can Google that if you want. They won't give it to you until you pay them thousands of dollars, but you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. And I'm going to share it with you right now and for 50 bucks each, I'll, I'll tell you. But here's what it is. There are four different ways that we need to prioritize and, and categorize things that are going on in their context was in our business. But I kind of dumbed it down and said, what is it going to look like in our family? So the first category we talked about, I met with my, my wife and my daughter who is at Hope International University and my youngest daughter who's a junior in high school at home. And while they were home for Christmas, we sat down and we got together and we said, we're going to make a plan about how we can be better as a family. We're not going to just drift towards greatness on our own. We're going to make a plan and we're going to be specific. And so what we did was we channeled these four things and we, we got on the same page. So I gave this stuff to them earlier in the week. We met late in the week. So we're going to block out an afternoon and we're going to spend some time doing this. So the first area we talked about is what's right. What is it that's right inside the Goucher family? What are some things that we're doing that's right? And so we listed some things and we all shared our list and we wanted to identify the things that are good and right inside our family because what's good we want to amplify, right? If we're doing something well, we want to make it better. And so we, we agreed on those things. And the next area we, we focused on is What's wrong inside our family? Now, I was having this meeting with three women, okay? And if you don't think that they'll tell you what's wrong, you're foolish, okay? And, and, and you're wondering maybe if in my family, are they going to tell me what's wrong? Yes, they are just waiting for you to ask, I promise, okay? But you need to have an umbrella of grace here and say, this isn't about blaming someone. This is about, you know, you never do this or you always do this. It's what, what, what's wrong? Because we want to identify what it is that's wrong because we want to fix those things, doesn't that make sense? Sounds simple enough, right? The third area we looked at was what's confusing? What is it that we don't understand? We don't, we don't know why we do that. We don't know how we do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this kind of situation or circumstance. So we identified the things that were confusing because we want to clarify the things that are confusing. We want some clarity. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Yeah, it, it does. And so finally, the fourth area we, we kind of dove into is, what is it that's missing? What is it that we want to be? What is it that we want to accomplish that's not there? And how do we do that? Because we want to add those things that are missing. So he said, what's right, we're going to amplify. What's wrong, we're going to fix. What's confusing, we're going to clarify. And what's missing, we're going to add. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, you're the weirdest individual I've ever come in contact with that you would sit down and do this with your family. I know, it's strange, right? But remember, we don't drift towards greatness, we don't drift towards passion and purpose. We have to be strategic and we have to make plans for those things. And another part of this exercise that we did was we made lists of people that we admired. Now, there was no limit on who the person could be. Historical figure, celebrity, politician. There, there are politicians you can look up to, okay? Let's not get into that. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? They're there. You can find them, but you've got to look really hard, okay? But they're, they're there. And so there may be a politician. There may be a friend, a neighbor, someone like that you know. There was no limit on who this person could be. But you had to list who they were, what it is that you admired about them, and what you could do to increase that attribute in your own life. And so we started sharing these things. And so then we started making plans for holding each other accountable and what that looks like. And so you know what, one of the things I, I, I promised my, my kids and my wife that I would not do, I'm not going to look at my phone anymore while I'm driving. It's not. They were like, Dad, you've got to stop doing that. When your phone goes off, and that, you, can't, you can't do that. You've got to do that. So now, whoever's like in the passenger seat of the car, my phone goes off. It's like, hey, do I need to handle this? Do we need to, whatever, can you do this for me or whatever? I just said, we're not going to do that. We're going to get better. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5 says this. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. We have to make plans in order to get better. A good friend of mine who pastors a church in suburban Dallas, Barry Cameron, said this. If you plan to change, change the plan. It's just another way of saying we're never going to drift towards greatness. So here's what I would encourage you to do. You need some help in this. You are involved in the life of a, of a great and dynamic church. I want you to know that. And I, I get to be in churches all, all around. And I, I see churches that I, I walk in, I shake my head. And I'm like, wow. But I, I come in here today and there's a spirit and there's an energy. You have a great leader here in, in this place. And they share a desire for 2017 to be your best year yet. So you, one of the things you need to do is, is say, I, I want to get closer to God in 2017 than I ever have before. There are some of you in this room right now who are adults, you're 18 years older, and you don't even have any friends. The harsh reality of it is, statistics will tell us, there are a lot of us in this room right now who do not have good, close friends. And you wonder why. You want to share your life with others. There are some of you in this room that have some great experience that a younger generation needs. There are some of you of a younger generation that you need to pump some life and energy into some other people in this, in this place as well. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, 2017 is the year I need to get baptized. I've been putting it off for a long time. I haven't, I haven't prioritized that in my life. How do I do that? Well, Devin talked about these things in the video pre-service. He said, you need to be involved in weekly worship. You need to do that. You need to get in a life group. You need to get in a life group so you can develop those friendships that you are so longing for. You need to have a daily time with God, he said. All these things just fit exactly with what we're talking about. We have to prioritize these things in order to get our lives together. He said, man, my life's been chaos. You want to get it together? Start in weekly worship. Get in a life group. Spend daily time with God. It goes back to those two of the top four. No other gods before me. And then you take some time and let me pour into you. That's what that daily time with God does. Jared's going to come up and he's going to talk about those things in just a few minutes. And he's going to give you more reasons and ways to do that in just a few minutes. But I want you to know, you guys are in a great situation right now. You're in a situation right now where you can begin... Walking down a path today is saying, my life's going to be better. I do want to get things under control. It's not all going to happen right now, but I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a priority. And 2017 is going to be the best yet. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 8 says this. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. We're not going to drift towards greatness on our own. We have to make a plan and we have to prioritize things in order to get our lives under control. Let's pray together. God, I just want to say thanks for the way that you show up in our lives. I want to say thanks for the way that you protect us from ourselves. But God, I also just want to say I'm sorry for the times that we as a people have so many small G gods in our life that we just forget about you, the capital G. And we don't do it intentionally, but sometimes they just creep in and we get swept away in the current of life and we end up in a place that we didn't want to be. But God, time and time again, you talk about leaning into you, trusting you, and making a plan. God, this is the only way we're going to get our chaotic lives back in order. The areas of our family, of our finances, of our physical fitness and wellness. God, those things are never gonna happen on our own unless we turn them over to you completely. And so we wanna go back to that first commandment and we wanna put you before everything else. And we wanna look down at that fourth commandment when you tell us to, to, to rest, 
and to let you fill us up. God, there are so many of us in this room right now. It's been so long since we've been still and so long since we've been quiet, we've forgotten who you are. And we wonder why things are spiraling and wonder why things are chaotic. God, we just say we're sorry for that. God, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for the great leader that they have here, his heart and his passion for you and the way that he leads with humility and wisdom. God, this is a great place to get lives moving in the right direction. I just pray that you just continue to bless it and that this place would be a great and a shining light in this community for decades and decades to come. In Jesus' name, amen.